Welcome to a foolish edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. Happy April Fools to anybody who's listening there tonight. Uh, as always, I'm Colin. And I am Austin. And we got our names right this time. We should have mixed them up this week for the April Fools episode. I, th- I thought about it, but I didn't know. We should have talked about it beforehand. I should have said that we should do that, but I didn't want to just do that and then have you you know, not be aware of it at the beginning, but oh, I quit. I quit. I pick up quick on things. Unlike you who I tried to hint at the news last week and you didn't pick it up. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that at all. That's yeah. That's, that's my bad hand up. Uh, we'll get to that very early here in the show. Um, but, uh, we'll start off here. A little bit of March madness talk, uh, down to the, uh, final four here. And Austin, how's your bracket looking? My bracket was doo-doo. So here's the thing. I actually, I, I approached my bracket all wrong. I didn't do any pools this year. It's always like my wife and I do one every year and the loser has to buy, like take the winner out to dinner. So it's like, you know, oh, whatever. It's money go. going from one pocket to the other or whatever. And you know, right. everybody's everybody's happy with that. Um, Kelsey has beat me the last couple of years, I think. Oh. I don't know. So last year they didn't have it. And the year before that, we were in Jamaica when it happened. And we were like literally like trying to like find a printer on the resort. Like it <laughs> 9 a.m. so we could get our brackets printed out and done um but like after the first i think after the first two rounds she had already clinched beating me like the way that our brackets unfolded like i didn't do awful but there was just like no combination of games and i messed up like i should just pick gonzaga to win it like i know if you're in a big pool you're supposed to like not pick the obvious team because then if they lose you gain a lot but i feel like against one person i should just should just gone with the chalk so that that i goofed yeah well that's all right this is definitely the worst bracket i've ever filled out like this is this is bracket is terrible i have one final four team it's baylor uh you didn't, I, you didn't pick in zaga to at least make the final four no i uh i mean i took iowa to beat them i thought that you know gonzaga is undefeated the whole season like those teams don't always don't usually win plus everybody had gonzaga going pretty far um so i wanted to mix it up a little bit i had illinois winning uh, which Me too. <laughs> clearly did not work out. Um, yeah, uh, so I'm in out of the ESPN uh, bracket that we did with our Discord uh, group. I am in 15th out of 16. Uh, and my girlfriend, Becca, is in 5th. She is just absolutely destroying me in this. Does she pick UCLA? You're at least happy about that, right? Oh, I'm very happy about UCLA. I had UCLA in the Sweet 16. Um, did not have them in the final four, which that, like I said, very happy about that. Uh, especially, uh, beating Michigan. That was very sweet. Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't, did not a good year this year. I do have to give a shout out quick to Evan. Uh, my brother, he's in first in that bracket. So he's looking like, and he has Gonzaga winning at all as do all of the top seven, eight, all of the top eight. Uh, so he's pretty locked in. Yeah, unless uh, unless Baylor or Houston win it all, then I don't know. Then it could be close. But yeah, it looks like he's going to be winning that group, and he'll get whatever giveaway Matt was doing. I don't remember if he was doing the Jalen Rager helmet for that one, or if it was the. I think it was Ma- Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram jersey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I will say I, I watching this tournament this year. I did not watch much college basketball this year. No, I didn't either. And like. 
Oh, holy shit. This Gonzaga team is one of the better. Like, I don't, there's nobody on that team that I'm like, that guy's going to be a stud in the NBA. You know, it's not like watching that Kentucky team from, from a few years ago, but yeah. I haven't seen a team. They, they have put like almost every single game they've played, they've put together an entire game, like where they just look good the entire game. You know, there's like a minute or two maybe where they're shaky, but there's not even been another team this whole tournament that's done it. And they've done it like four games in a row. I don't, I can't picture any team beating them this year to be completely honest like they're just phew. yeah yeah and at this point like after watching them i was like shit i should have picked them to win it all but i hadn't even i hadn't seen any gonzaga games this year because i mean they're out on the west coast and i want to watch them beat up on mount st mary or not mount st mary's just st mary's uh just beat up on st mary's there again you know i mean because they're i feel like gonzaga is that team that they're always like undefeated or like one two three loss team and then they go into the tournament and then they you know they had that one year against north carolina where they almost won but other than that they always kind of fall off so i thought maybe they'll do it again this year but yeah they they just they they move the ball so well like it's honestly incredible i can't remember ever watching it's like you know it, it, it like if a coach sat down and was like you know this is what this is like teaching tape you know and it's in practice and there's no defenders there and like you know the guys are making the movements that they're supposed to you know, like scripted wise, like the, it, it's incredible. Like the amount of like, you know, they, they find that hole in the zone so well. Yeah. I, I, this isn't the basketball podcast. So I like, <laughs> but I, I cannot, I cannot believe how many teams want to play zone against them. Cause they move so well against the zone. They hit that guy yeah. at the top of the key every single freaking time. And I'm just like, we were sitting there tonight night and I was free. I was like, why are you playing zone <laughs> against them? Like do something else. Like I know they move a lot. So man is, is tiring, but. Like the zone doesn't work. The zone does not no. work. Stop running zone against Gonzaga. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news is I don't. UCLA is not going to run the zone. So, but I would be surprised if UCLA can hang with them for for a whole game. Single sure. digits would be big. I'd be happy with that. They're I like think fourteen and a half point favorites. Or yeah, I was going to say this yeah. is like the biggest spread in like Final Four like recent memory. Yeah. Um. But all right, enough enough March Madness talk. Uh, we'll we'll start off with the news here, and that is something that uh, we should have talked about last week, but uh, I can't take a hint. And that is the Miami trades, um, where Miami traded the number three pick to San Francisco for the number twelve uh, pick, the twenty twenty two first, and a twenty twenty two third, and a twenty twenty three first. And then they flip the number 12 pick uh, from San Francisco. They, f- they flip that, pick 123 and Miami's own 2022 first to Philly for pick six and pick 156. Uh, so now they're staying in the top 10. And they pick up a nice haul for that. I mean, they pick up an extra first in there. Um, you know, so overall, and then they just moved down six picks for that. So, or three picks for that. So, you know, it's a really nice haul on their end and they do get to stay in the top 10. So the fact that they traded back up makes me think that they have to have a target in mind. And uh, I was listening to Dane Brugler and Lance Zerline's uh, podcast on the athletic, the pros to or prospects to pros. Um, and they said they think it's going to be for a pass catcher. Um, so is there any pass, any of those uh, pass catchers that you think that they're targeting there at that six pick? I think it's Chase, to be honest. I think Pitts would be a mistake. 
I'm going to stand by that. I just don't think a tight end is worth taking in the top 10. I agree. You know, I don't even think George Kittle is where it was, would be worth a top 10 pick if you knew what George Kittle was going to become. Unless it's just like an epically, like you, you have, you, you have a crystal ball and you can see how everybody turns out. And there's a particular year where just the whole draft sucks. Yeah. Then, you know, maybe George Kittle is worth a top 10 pick or whatever, you know, in that, in that um, kind of uh, hypothetical situation. I just don't believe a tight end is worth a top 10 pick. I think it would be a mistake to take a Kyle Pitts there. I think Jamar Chase would be the better pick. Um, but I think, honestly, I, with the way they moved up there, I think they're happy to take either one. You know, I think yeah. they have like three guys that they're happy yeah. to have or whatever, and they like seven or whatever was the cutoff, and they wanted to be within, you know, whatever whatever that pick was. Yeah, I think that I, th- I think you're right there. Um, I I've heard some chatter about Kyle Pitts going number four to Atlanta. Yeah, how do you feel about that? I would be pissed. I love <laughs> Kyle Pitts. I do. I like Kyle Pitts, but like you can't spend a top five pick on a tight end. It's just not a position of value, especially when you have an aging quarterback and this deep of a quarterback class. If they don't take a quarterback at four. I don't. I don't even. I don't even care which one of the big four that it is. I don't care. It's not going to be Lawrence. It's not going to be Wilson. But Fields or or Lance, Trey Lance. I don't care which one it is. Take them. Take either one of them. You know, it's going to be difficult to move on from Matt Ryan. You know, next year. I mean, he doesn't have any more dead money than what um, Golf or Wentz had, but he doesn't have age on his side, so it might be hard to move him. But still, you know. You, t- you when you have a chance to take a quarterback like that, you got to do it. Yeah, that's gonna because I don't think the Falcons roster is is um is good enough to compete. No, you know, they're not one piece away or whatever. And this no. is the like I think we think of the Falcons as in like, well, this was this year was a blip, and they're going to rebound next year. I'm not sure I see that, and no. like I, I understand. It's kind of the Green Bay thing all over again, where now you're like, well, is it a good allocation of resources to spend a first-round pick and then not have him play for two years? And like, what the rest of the, I, like, I guess they feel like they're forced into a spot where they have to try to compete because of what they did with Matt Ryan's contract and where the rest of that roster is at. But I, I, I don't see it with them personally. So I, no, I, I'm not sure a tight end is a is a good pick there. I mean, really, yeah. the only picks there I think they could do is either, you know, a, an offensive tackle or a quarterback. I think nothing else there makes sense for them, but I don't think they see it the same way. No, I mean, they could use a corner, um, but I don't think Patrick Sertan is number four overall worthy, and I don't think any of the other ones are. Um, so at that point, you know, trade down or, or or take a quarterback. Or if Penny Sewell's there and you want to take Penny Sewell, take Sewell, kick Jake Matthews over to the right side either way. You know, that's fine, but I would, if Justin Fields is sitting there and the Falcons don't at four and the Falcons don't take him, I'm going to run my head through this drywall over here, uh, in this new town home. I'm going to be pissed. I really want Justin Fields for them, but enough Falcons talk. Cause we got way off the rails here for that. Um, with, uh, Miami there, um, you know, I think chase is going to be their target. But uh, in Dane Brugler and Lance Zerline, they were saying that they have Chase going to Cincinnati, uh, which I think would be bold to pass on Sewell. It's it's the stupidest thing ever. It is the yeah. stupidest thing ever. Like, I if I'm Joe Burrow and they do that, I demand a trade. Like the next <laughs> day. Well, he can't be upset to get paired with his buddy Jamar Chase from college. Like, he would be pissed that he has no protection, but 
I mean, given that connection, I don't think he would be pissed. Hey, man, I've got some great friends, but if if my life and my my future livelihood depended on me not getting rocked 70 times a year, I would go get the guy that's going to help me not get rocked 70 times a year. There, <laughs> I Oh, my God. If they do I that, like... It's it is such a Bengals move to do that. It would just be the stupidest thing ever. It's like some of these franchises just want to be bad for forever. It's honestly hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, so w- in that mock, in that scenario, if Chase does go to Cincy, uh, I think Waddle would be the one that would make the most sense, just given the other pieces that they have in Miami. Uh, right. I think after would- Waddle just shit talked Tua the other day, <laughs> said he like Mac Jones more. Well, I think Devontae Smith said that too. I think they both did, yeah. Yeah, they both said they like Mac Jones more. And I don't know. Maybe that's just because they got to play more with Mac. Well, no, Devontae Smith didn't, but stop Asian hate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, we'll move on to San Francisco there, who just traded up to three. Uh, which you got to think that's obviously for a quarterback and um, you know, everything that is out there right now is pointing to Mac Jones. And that's kind of like what um, Brugler and Zerline were saying on their pod as well, um, that they're hearing it's either Mac Jones or Trey Lance. They're hearing that Justin Fields is not in play at that pick. Um, Now it is smokescreen season. So maybe that's San Francisco trying to blow up a smoke screen here. But I mean, they, they did move all the way up to three. So you have to figure they're taking a quarterback there. And if it's not fields, do you think it's Jones? Do you think it's Lance? We talked about it on Debbie debate last night. If they traded up to take Mac Jones, I don't ever, ever, ever want to hear anybody on Twitter ever hit me with the comeback of, well, you're not an NFL GM. <laughs> because guess what? It, that is some dumbass just traded up to three to take a dude who's like ceiling is a top, is like the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. Is It would be mind-blowing to me. Um, it's it's almost as mind like I think trading up to that, that spot to take Trey Lance is equally stupid, but at least there's upside there. Like at least you could go into, you know, the head honcho's office two years from now as, um, who's their GM former state Lynch. Yeah. Lynch goes into, you know, whoever owns the, the 49ers and sits down in his office and says, you know, the team, the team, the the team's cratered because the quarterback sucks. You can at least go in the office and say, we shot for the guy that had the most upside in the draft. If you go in there and you say, well, we played it really safe and it didn't work out then you don't deserve another front office job ever again in your entire life. Your career is, it should be over right at that point. I don't do not at all get that thinking at all. So I, I do think it's smokescreen season, but it's just a classic case of overthinking things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, John Lynch did say Jimmy G is still their QB, but I mean, you know, Cliff Kingsbury said Josh Rosen's our QB and look how that turned out. Uh, but I think that that saying that makes more sense if they are going for Lance, because um, you could take Lance, you could sit him behind Jimmy G, and then you could move on from Jimmy G next year. I mean, he has two years left in his contract; is two point eight million in dead cap this year and one point four million in dead cap next year. So he's an easy cut candidate. Could also be a very easy trade candidate. So I think that Lance or fields would make a lot of sense for them in that spot, 
given that both of those guys may need a little bit a little bit of time to develop. Um, whereas I think I do think Mac Jones is probably more pro ready than Trey Lance. But you know, like you said, his ceiling is like the 15th best quarterback in the league. Whereas Lance could be, you know, Lance has all the tools that you're looking for. So, you know, I think that I think Lance is probably the way that they're going to go. That's if if I'm reading the tea leaves, that's probably what I would think. They're both equally stupid decisions, but you know, whatever. The other, the other thing was, and I talked about this last night too on Debbie debate is San Francisco's roster. So good. Like, am I missing something with their roster that them trading three firsts? Like that was actually a, a good idea. Is the rest of that roster good enough to compete for a, you know, a Super Bowl? I don't think so. No, I think they do lose like some pieces on defense there. Um, they have this the skill position where you can have a, a quarterback kind of Ben Roethlisberger, early career Ben Roethlisberger, his way to a Super Bowl potentially if the rest of the roster was uh, filled out well. Where like they he just, the quarterback would just need to distribute to those those weapons um, because they're very explosive weapons there, but. No, I don't think the rest of the roster is good enough that they're one rookie quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team. Yeah, that that's the other part of it that I just saw that trade and I was like, that's steep. It makes yeah. me wonder why Carolina didn't yeah. try to do something similar. Um, they, they're the real losers out of all of this. but Potentially, yeah. But um, So one of the things that Dane Brugler was saying um, on the pod was that he thought that the San Francisco 49ers moved up where they did because the Panthers were a wild card for Mac Jones at eight because they did coach him at the senior bowl. So they may have, you know, built that connection. They may really like Mac Jones and they, the San Francisco 49ers may have been worried that he, they were going to take him at eight and he wasn't going to be there for them at 12. Um, and he said, he believes that it's, it meant something that they went to Mac Jones's pro day um, now I agree with Bruning that where Matt Bruning, where he said, you know, they already saw fields. So going to Mac Jones pro day makes sense just to kind of see what it is, what he is, what he has. Um, but yeah, the, he was saying that the, they're saying that all the, all the tea leaves and everything that they're hearing from trusted sources are pointing to Mac Jones at three. I have no words. I have <laughs> no words. Um, but you know, then the other team in this deal here is Philly. Now, um, you know, Philly. I think that that was a great move on their part. Um, you know, they're sitting there at six. They kind of want to give Hertz another year. So I think trading down is a very clear sign that they're giving Hertz at least one more year. Uh, but at six, there wasn't really any position of need for them that would make sense there at six because they took Andre Dillard. Uh, two years ago as kind of their left tackle of the future. Yeah, but um, I've heard that fans say that he's been bad. He hasn't been great. But, yeah, I mean, you still took him two years ago. So, you know, you may be – and he hasn't – I don't think he played a full year this year. I think they um, – they had Jason, Jason Peters. Was he still there this year? I don't mm-hmm. remember. They yeah, had so a they, huge – like, everybody was hurt. Like They, yeah. they rotated a lot of tackles because they were all hurt for for times. Yeah, uh, but I, it seems like wide receiver is probably like the most logical fit for Philly here again because they still don't have any real weapons. I mean, they took Jalen Rager in the first last year. 
you know, we'll see what he does, but they still need to beef up that receiving core. So at that point, you know, trading back to 12, I don't think that Chase is going to be there after that dominant season he had, the dominant combine. Um, so now you're looking at maybe Devonta Smith at six, maybe maybe Waddle, or I mean at 12, I'm sorry, uh, maybe Waddle at 12. But, you know, I think Waddle would kind of not necessarily be redundant there, but they need more like an outside guy. So I think what uh, Devonta Smith would probably make the most sense there. Uh, and, and I mean, as far as landing spots go for Devonta Smith, I think that's about as good as you could hope for. Yeah, a lot of opportunity. I'm not sure. I, I just don't think Jalen Hurts is very good. So, I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> it limits a lot of ceilings there. I mean, I think the real win for them there is that they push the draft capital forward in a year where we've heard a lot of teams already complaining that it's just hard to kind of suss out some of the things that maybe you normally would in a typical year where you have a combine and you can be on campus for all these things and you can have guys visit your uh, facilities and run them through workouts there and stuff. And I don't think they're doing that this year. So I've heard a lot of teams complain about not having those, those things. So if you push forward to next year, you know, now you have a, a chance to do that with two first round guys next year. So I think that's the real win for them. Cause I actually think going from six to 12 was a loss. Like they had a chance to get one of those like really top tier guys. And now it's just like a puddle of, <laughs> you know, either we hope that somebody falls for some really crazy reason, or then it's just, you know, you're out, you're outside of the blue chips at that point. Yeah. I do think this draft kind of lacks, like, I mean, the quarterbacks are really good. There's a couple other blue chip prospects. I think chase is kind of a blue chip prospect. Penny Sewell's a blue chip prospect. I I'm a huge fan of Michael Parsons. I think he's a blue chip prospect, but I'm also biased. So, cause I'm a Penn state fan, but you know, beyond that, I, I think you're right. Like they, they don't really any blue chips there that they're going to be, you know, in line to take. So, you know, maybe if one of those quarter, I, and I don't see the quarterbacks falling that far, but if they do, or if somebody else falls and somebody else wants to move up, we may even see Philly move back again, because like I said, I, I like the way you phrased it, where you're just kind of pushing it to next year, where, it's going to be a more normal year and you're going to have more, you're going to have a better ability to evaluate some of the guys next year. Plus you're already giving Hertz another shot. So you didn't need the quarterback there and you know, you can try and set it up as much as possible for next year when you potentially do take a, a franchise quarterback. Cause I don't think either of us believe Hertz is that guy. No, I don't think so. Um, at all. I think, you know, they, they signed Joe Flacco, didn't they? So Oh, that's a good point. That Joe Flacco, starting quarterback. Worst comes to worst, Dave. Got the brow out there. <laughs> I mean, he's elite. He is elite. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll move off the trade talk here. Um, I think we sufficiently talked about that this week after not talking about it at all last week. Um, there is more pro day news out there. Um, there's yeah. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, a second here, because we ha- we have a, a a guy on here. Who who we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the show? Colin specifically talked about him. And I just want to play this little clip um, that from- I think is a pretty deep sleeper. He's a guy that I've liked for a little while now. Um, it's Dion Jackson out of Duke, and I mean he has prototypical size. He's six foot two ten, um, and on twenty four seven sports they have his verified forty results as a four three seven coming out, which when There's I watch, no 
Yeah, that really surprised me. I mean, when I watch him, he's definitely fast. You know, he has the ability to take it to the house on pretty much any play. But if he runs a four three seven at the combine, I'll be shocked. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I mean, I, we were I, doing so well, and then we had to mock. Yeah, well, I mean, in they was late. The forty was later verified as a four four one. Initially reported as a four three two. Uh, later verified as a four four one. But the four four one forty is still an eighty seventh percentile forty. So he's still. At and officially he weighed in at 5'11, 218. So 5'11, 218 with a 4'4, 40. That is that's some impressive size adjusted speed. It's faster uh, than ETN ran at three pounds heavier. So, you yeah. know, we you know, we liked where he was at. Yeah. So, and then he also had a 36 inch vert, uh, which is 68th percentile. So, you know, that shows a little bit of the explosion as well, where it's not just track speed. Um, and I, I, I really liked him too because I thought he could catch the ball really well. So this is a minor victory lap here temporarily on Deion Jackson. Um, <laughs> but there was some other news out there on pro days. Um, the other running backs in the state of North Carolina there, uh, Javante Williams, um, he weighed in at 212 pounds, which is down from his 220 weight uh, that he was listed at in, during the season. And the fact that he's, you know, 212 now, it's a, it's not concerning, but he's not that big back anymore, you know, and he doesn't have the speed. I mean, he clocked a four, five, five, 40, um, which is solid. You know, that's definitely within that threshold of what you want to see, but you know, the weight was just a little bit under what kind of everybody was expecting. But on the opposite side of that coin, you had Michael Carter, who weighed in at 201 pounds. So he does hit that 200-pound threshold uh, that everybody's kind of looking for, for for a running back there. So that was big for, for Carter, I think, bigger than Williams. Williams was just more something to note. Uh, but another weight that was very interesting was 2-2 Atwell. Uh, weighing in at a whopping 155 pounds, which is the zero percentile. And I don't even know how to uh, say that. Zeroth percentile? Zeroed percentile? Zeroist. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's the zero percentile. So, I mean, at 155 pounds, and we talked about this, I think I weighed that in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, um, I like, I, I don't really move guys based on this stuff at all. I think it's um, overreactionary. But for some of these guys that are just weighing in like drastically different than what we expected them to, you know, if if Tutu had been mid one seventies, that's fine. Yeah, that, or, you know, like, whatever. He doesn't have to be that 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 heavy. We weren't expecting him to weigh in at one ninety five or something. To weigh in at one fifty five though, like some of these guys, just I don't know. I don't know what kind of advice they're getting. Like I I don't know what everybody around them is is doing and suggesting, but. So I know we said that Devonta Smith should have just chonked up for a week or two and then weighed in and then just back to back off. Um, uh, Tutu just should not have weighed in. But I don't know. I mean, maybe there wasn't an option to not do that. I don't really know. But well, I think all these guys have an option, or they should. But I mean, I guess then you say, well, then you just do the whole Devonta Smith thing. Oh yeah, I weigh one seventy. Like you know, oh yeah, I weigh one sixty five. 
It's like, okay, yeah, I mean, I can't tell the difference, you know, 10 pounds or whatever on you, but yeah, to, to confirm it is. Yeah. So I, I, like you said, I don't really move people a whole lot based on some of these, um, you know, there, there are like, but there are certain thresholds that you just have to hit and Tutu didn't hit that. And he's probably going to be more or less off my board. I, I can't really see a scenario where I take Tutu Atwell at this it's, point. It's such a bummer too, because I thought that um, compared to like a KJ Hamler from last year, for instance, I thought Tutu has a more well-rounded game than KJ Hamler. I thought all you had yeah. to do was come in and weigh in close to that. And I preferred him to Hamler as a as an incoming rookie but to weigh in at 155 is just is unforgivable yeah um and then uh, the other louisville um name of note there javian hawkins he weighed in at 183 uh, at the running back position which is the second percentile weight so that is probably going to adjust him on my board now because at 183 I mean, you're gonna you're gonna struggle to even have a Philip Lindsay type role. Like that's his absolute ceiling, and Philip Lindsay at least weighs more than that. I think Philip Lindsay weighs 190 um, at five seven. So, you know, Javian Hawkins five eight 183. That's gonna be tough. Um, and then one of the other notes here from Pro Days is our buddy Ian Book, uh, who. We talked about back during the Exos Pro Day extravaganza there, um, running, what was it, a 4-4-40, I believe, is what they said he clocked in at. And I didn't add this one on the show sheet. Austin, do you have any guesses as to what he ran at his Pro Day? Like a 4-7-2. Fairly close. Uh, he, he clocked in at a 4-6-5. Okay. <clears throat> still, yeah. pretty re- still respectable, um, but nowhere near the 4 4 um, I mean, but, of we, course, but we're the assholes for yeah. making fun of these guys on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the four six five forty, it's still eighty first percentile, and Jalen Hurts ran a four five nine, so it's not that much slower than Jalen Hurts. So it's still very impressive athleticism. But yeah, the four 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 forty was never happening. No. Um, but on the other side of the coin, somebody that did not run an impressive forty, uh, and that's uh, your boy Sage Surratt. Uh, coming in at a four six nine forty, uh, which is third percentile there, which that's concerning as well. And then something else that I saw that was a little bit concerning from him is he's got nine inch hands. Uh, he's got a little baby hands. Uh, it's in the twenty seventh percentile. It's not really something you want to see out of a wide receiver. Yeah, I thought he'd be like a four six guy. Like I, I thought he'd be like right around four six flat. Um, I, that's kind of what I would think uh, too. Apparently not. The dream's yeah. over. <clears throat> yeah, and this is pro day times too. So at, with a pro day time, I know player profiler adds 0.05 seconds to all pro day times just to kind of offset the the faster times a little bit. So you know now you're looking at him being at a four seven four, and that's that's tough to come back from. Um, but somebody who did impress at the pro day though, uh, Kyle Pitts running a four 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 forty. At 6'5", 245, uh, he's going to have very impressive size-adjusted speed there. But something else that I thought was interesting for Pitts, he has 10 and 5'8"-inch hands. So he has massive mitts. Uh, Which, I mean, that's, you know, as a tight end, that's going to serve him really well as far as catching the ball, but also getting his hands on guys and blocking a little bit. So I don't know how much he's going to be asked to do that at the next level. 
But I think that, you know, the size that he weighed in at, the hand size there, uh, you know, I think he could play in line a little bit more. But yeah, I, I, I think I've been desensitized to tight end workouts because of Vernon Davis. Like yeah. Pitt, Pitts' workout wasn't even as impressive as Vernon Davis's. Not to say like it's a bad workout. It was it was obviously a very, very, very good one, but because he ran a four, four, three, six or four, three, eight or whatever. So every time, yeah. you know, if you're a tight end, I don't, I, yeah, if I don't hear you running into the four threes, I'm like, well, there's Vernon Davis. You know, maybe I shouldn't do that because <laughs> it's like the, you know, the unicorn that comes around yeah. once every 60 years or whatever, but. Yeah, well, I mean, um, one of the other tight ends in this class, uh, Felix's boy, Tommy Tremble, um, he clocked in a 4.640, uh, 4.6 flat 40, which is 86th percentile for a tight end. So, I mean, yeah, Kyle Pitts didn't run a 4.38 like Vernon Davis, or I think it was like a 4.38. I don't remember off the top of my head. But a 4.4440 at 6.5, 2.45 is still very impressive. Yeah, that that is a pretty pretty um, solid one. Um, there, I mean, there were a lot of fast forties this year. I think that's also yeah. desensitized me uh, yeah. slightly to that. To be completely honest, no, I agree because when you see, you know, Terrace Marshall running a four three eight, and uh, Terrace Marshall's fast, but I don't think he's. I didn't think he was four three eight fast. Uh, you know, when you're seeing guys like that, uh, you know, and what Rashad Bateman. Was a four three eight from his Exos Pro Day and other guys running like that. Yeah, I'm kind of desensitized to all these forty times as well a little bit. But um, were there any you know that besides the ones that we mentioned, were there any that stood out to you? Any results? Um, yeah, you didn't have it on the list here today because it just happened. Uh, Rashad Bateman um, measuring in two inches shorter and twenty pounds lighter is not good. I mean, like I said, I don't really move these guys at all unless you're just like so far outside the norm that it's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> like I, I get that people are saying that he lost 20 pounds because of the COVID. Like he lost a significant amount of weight and it, it's been hard for him to add it back on here in the short term, but COVID didn't take away two inches. So, <laughs> you know, you just stop giving your Tinder measurements on your, on your you know, Minnesota page. You ain't six, two and you ain't two ten. That should be, you know, it, it it could change your mind as in terms of whether you think he can actually be an, an alpha in the NFL, which I never thought that was probable. Like I, I had him as a very fringe wide receiver or like round one grade. And now I think that, you know, he, he's not, like I said, he doesn't move it all for me, but I, I would not shock me if he goes day two now. No, um, I think day twos is more where you're looking at for him. Uh, I think the biggest impact that that one had for me was that if he weigh, you know, if he looked at his six two two ten weight, you know, his everything, you know, kind of checked the boxes that you thought. There was a very strong possibility that I was going to move him ahead of Moore, Rondale Moore, who I have as my wide receiver three, and I have Bateman as my four. Um, but with him measuring in two inches shorter, twenty pounds lighter, um, I'm not going to move him up ahead of Moore at this point. Moore's going to stay where he's at. Bateman's going to stay where he's at. Devonta Smith's going to stay where he's at, and those guys would be three, four, five for me. Yeah, um, no, I think that I think that's a fair um, ranking of those guys. Yeah, a- any other ones that stood out to you there? Is there one that's supposed to be? It's the second time you've asked that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no, there isn't like a specific no. one after Bateman's uh, the only one, and it's probably just because it's yeah. fresh on my mind. Right. Um, that that made me think of it. I mean, Jamar Jefferson ran here this night. Well, um, Chuba Hubbard, Chuba, uh, no, Jamar Jefferson. Um, oh, did he run today? 
Yeah, he did, and it wasn't very uh, fast. Um, I didn't see that one. Yet. Yeah, he weighed in at like two oh six and ran like a four five three or four five one or something. So not like nothing. It wasn't bad speed, but for what he weighed in as, I think he was listed at like two sixteen or something on their website. Um, Chuba Chuba ran slow too. I did see that. Yeah, I did yeah, see the Chuba like a, a four five one or something. So not that I liked Chuba. I mean, I've been banging that drum for eighteen months now that he's not very good, <laughs> but um. I think you know any any anybody that's sitting there telling you that Chuba's a top three running back after especially after that needs to you you may want to reconsider what you're getting your fantasy advice from. Um, now the only other one I wanted to note uh, there was Jamar Chase, um, and that was just all of his athleticism scores. We knew he was we knew he was a pretty good athlete, but he ran he he measured in at six foot two oh one. And he had a 41-inch vert, 96th percentile. In a 96th percentile broad jump, 23 reps on the bench press, 97th percentile, a 4.3840, 89th percentile, a 3.98 short shuttle, also 97th percentile. Um, and he did have a 7-flat 3-cone, which is 41st percentile. Um, not that this like changes anything, you know, we all kind of expected him to do pretty well, but I think this just goes to show you that he was working really hard in his time off. I do think that, you know, in his year off that this kind of shows the work that he was putting in because I don't think he came out here. And if you had had him run this at this time last year, run through all these drills, I don't think we would have seen those results. No, and I think, you know, that speaks, like you said, it's the the fact that he worked so hard over the past year um, makes you feel pretty, pretty solid about that. I mean, I still, I still don't think I put him in that, that, you know, elite echelon of wide receiver prospect, but I've seen some people who I, whose, whose opinions I respect that do have him up there, um, which I think is interesting um, and has made me think a little more about, you know, my thoughts, I've bumped Chase to my wide receiver one. Okay. I, did, I, I, I flip-flopped him and, and Rondell Moore. Um, and it, it it's made me just think about, you know, where, where I had him initially and if I'm valuing the right things. I think I am, but, you know, it's good to check in every now and then and, and think about that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I have him as my wide receiver two. Uh, I have Jalen Waddle as my wide receiver one. Um, and I think they're both very close. I think it's splitting hairs there. I like Waddle's uh, dynamic ability with the ball in his hands uh, a little bit more. I like. I think that he can. He'll be a little bit more scheme specific than Chase will be, but I think his ceiling is higher. Um, I think that if there's never going to be another Tyreek Hill, because Tyreek Hill's a unicorn, but if somebody is going to get close, I think it's going to be Waddle. But uh, as far as you, I know you mentioned that you don't see Chase in that upper echelon of elite, like wide receiver prospects coming out. And this isn't on the show sheet here, so I'm throwing this at you blind. But where do you, would you have Chase in relation to your guys from last year, like Lamb, Judy, Jefferson, coming I, out as prospects? As as prospects, yeah. Um, he wouldn't be above Judy. He wouldn't be above. I had I went had Judy Jefferson Lamb. I think at the end of the day, he would be pretty close with Lamb. I still like I, I really liked Judy as a prospect, and I you know I still think he 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 can and probably will be really good in the NFL. 
Um, and then Jefferson obviously had a really good year as well. Um, so I'd, I'd probably put him between Jefferson and Lamb. Okay. Yeah, I had uh, last year I had Judy, Lamb, Jefferson. Um, and I'll be honest, I would probably have Chase ahead of Jefferson. I would probably have him very similarly to you, but just flip Jefferson and Lamb. Um, I liked Jefferson a lot, uh, but you know there was a little bit of worry with you know where is he going to play? You know, can he play on the outside with Jefferson? That was a little bit of a worry. I don't think there's any worry with with where Chase is going to play. Like you know that that's very defined at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know me, I'm a sucker for those lankier, six footish wide receivers that can run route, you know, very crisp routes and are quicker than they are fast. So yeah. Um, I was a sucker for Jefferson and Judy last year. They both kind of fit in that profile. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. Uh, but, uh, I think that'll be, uh, it's enough for the pro day news there. I mean, we may touch on it again next week, but I think the majority of the big prospects have, uh, already, uh, partaken in their pro days at this point. Um, so we'll move on to a little bit of the draft preview here, NFL drafts and, there's some teams that have openings here after free agency. You know, they didn't fill, uh, and they didn't necessarily fill the openings that you thought they would fill. So now we're kind of looking at the draft for some of these guys. And the first one here is, uh, we have is Carolina at quarterback. And now this has changed a little bit here. They do pick at one eight, but with San Francisco jumping them, uh, you know, now it's it's a bigger question mark as to if a quarterback's even going to fall to them at eight. So I will start it off. Do you think a quarterback falls to them at eight, and do you think they go quarterback at eight? I don't know. I I could see it because, like you said, I don't think the Falcons go quarterback. So you know, that's three in the top four picks, and then after that, you have um, the Bengals at five. They're not taking a quarterback. And um, Dolphins traded back up to six. They're not taking a quarterback. And so you probably have two guys left as pick seven rolls around. You know, maybe they, they try to flip up to that pick, you know, and give up a little bit of capital to secure, make sure nobody else jumps them. I do think they go quarterback. I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't know how those picks are going to play out, those first three. Um, I think um, Joe Brady could make any of those guys work, though. Yeah. And they have a lot of weapons there for them to, you know, you have, you know, have Christian McCaffrey, you have Robbie Anderson, you have DJ Moore, you know, you, you have can, David Moore too. And David Moore. Yeah. <laughs> D, you have all the D Moores, all the D Moores. Um, so that was a, for anybody who didn't listen to Debbie debate last night, that was a bit of a nod to their fantasy court. <laughs> I definitely won. Felix had to break out the the um, the slippery slope argument, which you know, as soon as somebody you know breaks out the logical fallacies, I won. So yeah, absolutely. Because um, I, I hate when people break out the slippery slope or the where do you draw a line. The answer is somewhere. You always have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. But, um. So yeah, I, mean, I think that's a good spot for any of them. <clears throat> um. So yeah, I, I think I take somebody there. I'm just not sure which guy it is. So I. Uh, I never, first of all, I do want to say, I never said I don't think the Falcons take a quarterback at four. I want them to take a quarterback at four. I just don't know if they're actually going to do it. But if they don't, they really need to trade back because there's somebody who's going to want to trade up at that pick. Whether it's Denver, who I don't have the draft order up in front of me. I believe Denver is number nine. Uh, Denver may be ready to move on from Locke 
uh, they're in a position to strike and take a quarterback early here. Uh, because I don't think, I think Denver is actually a quarterback away from being a very, very good team. I like all their skill position guys. They brought in some nice pieces on defense. They're going to get Vaughn Miller back who missed all year last year. I don't remember what injury it was. Me, I uh, think. The knee. Yeah. So the knee injury there. And I, I think they're a very good team. Now they're going to have to compete with the chiefs who are going to be tough. Uh, the chargers are going to be a tough team. We'll see how that one kind of shakes out, but with them adding the extra um, playoff spot there, I do think that Denver is a quarterback away from being a playoff team. So we could see them try to trade up ahead of Carolina to grab a QB as well, but I'm with you. I do think Carolina probably goes QB at one eight. The only thing is if they took Mac Jones, I don't love that for fantasy. Well, I like it for Mac Jones. I don't love that for Carolina because I don't love Mac Jones, but uh, is there any quarterback that you want to see Carolina take just, you know, regardless of rumors and everything like that? Is there somebody you think would fit really well in Joe Brady's system? No. Well, I mean, I think Mac Jones is basically just worse Joe Burrow, right? Like his his arm is slightly stronger, but I think he's worse at virtually everything else. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. You know, I don't think he's quite as accurate. He's probably a slightly better, like, you know, linear athlete, but I think Joe Burrow, um, in terms of just escapability, is basically a magician back there. I don't think that he's um quite on that level, you know, uh, max max on that level, even if you, he he navigates the pocket very well. But if you ask him to go really that far beyond that, he's 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 okay, but he, he's not Joe Burrow. Um, so I think I do think Brady would basically just break back out the playbook, you know, a little bit that he used with 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 Burrow and um, and let him let him rip. I, I do think that he would prefer, you know, maybe he. Huh, I don't know what he'd prefer. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and say I think Joe Brady would prefer. You know, the toolsier <laughs> guy. I actually don't know that. You know, maybe he likes that playbook that he ran with Burrow, and he thinks that that's the optimal way to play. I, I I've never heard him say anything. I don't really know. Yeah, well, like I said there earlier in the show that Carolina did coach Mac Jones at the Senior Bowl. So, you know, it's, I think it's entirely possible that they do like Jones. Now, whether he falls past San Francisco, I don't know. Uh, but I think Trey Lance would be a good fit there because they do have Teddy Bridgewater in place as uh, just a natural bridge quarterback, and they can let Lance sit for a year. And then I think Lance would be really good in Joe Brady's scheme because Lance's he does have a big arm, but he is a little bit more conservative. So I think that they, he, I don't think he would necessarily need to, I don't think Joe Brady would necessarily need to rein anybody in at all on that one. And he can just kind of let the playmakers that he has make plays. And I think that that's something that Trey Lance would fit very well. I think he would be a very good distributor to, McCaffrey to Robbie Anderson to DJ Moore, um, Ian Thomas, if he ever puts it together, but, um, we'll move on to the next team we have on the list here. That's also somebody who's, uh, probably in the market there for a quarterback and that's going to be new England. Uh, they're sitting there at one fifteen at the 15th pick now. And I think with all this trading up and all the commotion going on above them, I have a feeling Belichick's going to sit there at 115. I don't see him trading up. I don't see a quarterback falling to 15. 
So now we're looking at potentially the second round uh, at, with their, it's the 14th pick in the second round. Is there any quarterback that you think they may go with in the second round there at all? Or are you thinking they're just probably going to avoid quarterback altogether? No, I don't really care to be completely honest. Like I, cause I don't think any of those other guys will ever be successful in the NFL. So I don't care. I think they trade back in the first round as they are want to do. Um, I wouldn't be interested in anybody that went there if it's not one of those top five guys. No, I agree. I think that the situation in new England is not good for a quarterback, especially not fantasy. It's not a good fantasy environment for a quarterback. Um, they I mean they brought in Aguilar at wide receiver. They brought in who else did they bring in? It's escaping me at the moment. It wasn't anybody of consequence. No, yeah, they brought in a bunch of crap. Yeah, so yeah, so I think even if they do take somebody at the two at the fourteenth pick in the second round, which I think at that point um, you're maybe looking at Trask, but I think Trask may even go with a, with a massive run on quarterbacks. And just kind of like the need arising for a lot of teams, I think you may see Trask sneak into the back half of the first round um, or the very early second round. I, th- I think a guy like I, I think Trask falls, man. I think uh, yeah. someone like Kellen Mond or someone goes above him. It, it would shock me actually to see Trask go above that. I think somebody's gonna gonna opt for the toolsy guy. I think Trask was artificially inflated because we were in the heat of the moment. I I, I don't see him going early. Like at all, I wouldn't even shock me. You know, he's going to be that guy that I think we're like halfway through day two and we're like, holy crap, like Kyle Trask is still on the board and we just watch him fall and fall and fall. And that's not like my personal thing against him. I just think there's no buzz about him at all. You see all these yeah. teams at all these different pro days and no one was at Florida to watch Kyle Trask yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, Kellen Mond definitely has more tools there, um, but I don't, I, I'm not a big Kyle uh, Kellen Mond fan. Um I know you you like him more than I do. But you're not necessarily a uh, well, yeah, which is to say like yeah, you know, one is more than zero. <laughs> you know yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, so I think it's safe to say that even if they do go quarterback in the second round, we're pretty much out on that quarterback at that point. I don't want any of the quarterbacks outside the top five in this class. They could go to like the perfect situation. I just don't care at all. No interest at all. Yeah, like I mentioned before, Davis Mills is a guy that intrigues me, but. Um, I'm not super. I'm not super excited on him. He would just be a late flyer for me. Uh, but we'll move into the the running back position here. I bet um, Davis Mills goes before Kyle Trask. I bet Mills. I bet Mond. There's probably somebody else that I'm forgetting too that that goes above him. You think Newman does? No, no, no. I think Newman falls pretty far. Um, he hasn't exactly, you know. Um, he hasn't excelled at all this. He hasn't. He hasn't broken away from any sort of pack this offseason with anything he's done. No. Um, but oh yeah, we'll move into the running back position there, um, and that'll you know the Steelers are a team that you pretty much always want their running back for fantasy. You know they always have a guy who they lean on. There, there's a guy. It's a guy who produces at worst uh, RB two type numbers. Um, you know, when they have a guy that they love and they ride him like they did with Bell, you know, he can be an elite fantasy option. And that's just kind of the offense that they run there. And they didn't sign anybody in free agency and there's not really anybody left. Um, so, I mean, there's always the possibility that they bring back Connor back because he hasn't signed yet. But, uh, you know, for the sake of the show here, let's assume they don't 
and they're going to take a running back in the draft. And I don't think they take one in the first round, so I'll spare you that discussion. Uh, We'll start in the second round. Um, Are there any day two running backs that you think fit the Steelers system or would fit well uh, in that offense? The the chatter is if they go with somebody, it's going to be ETN probably. Like it because I think the the assumption is that they're not going running back round one, and Najee Harris is going to be gone by their second pick. So now you're between ETN and um and Williams, and it seems like they really like ETN. But I would actually be willing to bet a significant amount of money that they don't take a running back there. I don't think that they're that interested in it. I think I really think they hit O line round one. And then I think they just hit BPA in round two. Um, I, it could be a running back, but I would be—I I suspect that it's not going to be. I could see a number of different positions. I could see them going corner, depending who's there. It's a deep corner draft. I could see them di- double dipping an offensive line. It's a deep offensive line draft, and they've been at a lot of different O line like uh, pro days. Like usually, the Steelers telegraph who they're going to who they're thinking about because yeah. they send the big guns and they send Colbert or they send Tomlin or they send somebody like that in. Uh, for those days, and they've been at a bunch. They were at Notre Dame's to watch uh, Eckenberg. They were at uh, Oklahoma State to watch Tevin Jenkins. Uh, I think they were at Michigan's to watch Jalen Mayfield. They've been at a bunch of these ones where they're obviously not there to watch. You know, uh, there's not many other guys on the list that they would send the big guns there to go watch. You know, Notre Dame were there with Tommy Tremble. I mean, there's not like a lot else there that they would really wanted to watch. Maybe Aaron Banks. Uh, interior for later. Um, so I, I, it would not shock me at all if they doubled up the offensive line. Then, then at that point, then you're looking at, you know, round three and, and all of their picks are, are later as well. So, and, and I will say one thing real quick. Um, I don't think the Steelers are a good landing spot either. If they don't double tap offensive line, the first two rounds, I just did the alliance. The line was atrocious at run block, block blocking last year. They were very good at pass blocking. And that's why I think they just, you know, I, I fart around uh, during my lunch break and stuff on like, you know, PFF's mock draft machine or the draft networks or any of them I'll, I'll play around on. And I find myself more often than not hitting, a you know, the first three rounds of two offensive linemen. And especially if I can get, you know, uh, two interior guys, because I think they need if, if any running back to be successful there, they have to to retool the middle of that line. Yeah, because what? Um... Did Pouncey retire, right? Yeah, Pouncey yeah. retired. Um, you really only have um DeCastro? Yes, you really only have DeCastro in the middle of that line that's, you know, for sure a really good player. We like Dotson. He was a rookie last year. I think he can be, you know, he's a mauler kind of guy, um, but he's also not so good that it would keep me from taking a, uh, another guard. You're like, I really like Aaron Banks. I think he'd be a great if he's still there in the third for us to take. Yeah, um, yeah. well, we'll move from your favorite team then into my favorite team, uh, and that's Atlanta. Um, I know Atlanta did sign Mike Davis, but I don't think that precludes them from taking a running back in the draft. Um, I don't think Mike Davis solves their running back issue at all, uh, and I, I'm not really interested in Mike Davis there for fantasy purposes. I mean, he did well last year in – in relief for Christian McCaffrey did very well, you know, potentially was a league winner for a lot of teams, but I think a lot of that had to do with Joe Brady's offense. Um, you know, so, and then he's not going to have that in Atlanta. I, I like Arthur Smith's offense for running backs, but I don't think we really know 
what that offense looks like for running backs because his only two significant years as a play caller, he had Derrick Henry for both of those. So, you know, and you're just going to feed Derrick Henry the rock. So I don't think we can definitively say that he's a force feed one guy, you know, run the rock all the time, kind of an offensive coordinator. I think that that's the way that the directions, that's the way that everything is pointing. And that's kind of the rumors that, you know, that's kind of things that he's mentioned in interviews, but I don't think it's definitive there. And like we mentioned in the first round, you know, they're, uh, they're not going running back at the fourth overall pick. They're not Dave Gettleman. So now you're looking at the two, three, uh, the third overall pick in the second round or the fourth overall pick in the third round, which I think could potentially be landing spots for some running backs. Um, I know you mentioned ETN as a possibility for the Steelers. Um, I do think that a, a guy like an ETN could potentially be in play if they decide to go running back at two, three. I hope they go corner there. I think that that's also the way that they're leaning as well because corner is a pretty big need for them at this point. Um, I know they double dipped. Um, you know, they've, they've taken some corners recently, but none of them have really panned out all that well. Um, AJ Terrell did not look very good last year. Um, it was one year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how he develops with a full off season and everything like that. But I think corners in play at the two at the second round pick. So now we're looking at the third round. Uh, are there any, you know, later running backs outside that top three that interests you at all in Atlanta? Uh, not really. I could see them going like a Kylan Hill or someone like that, you know, later. Um, yeah, I'm just not that interested. The only, so they're, the only guy that I'm interested in really outside the top three and, you know, Kenny Gainwell's whatever, you know, I think he's a little landing spot dependent in the sense that I need to see him go to a team that I think is probably going to use him correctly. Um, Trey Sermon sort of intrigues me. You know, he ran though at the four five one forty this week. He had the really nice agility scores. I don't, I don't have them here in front of me. I wasn't thinking I was going to be talking about I them have this them. evening. Um, Six point eight three three cone, eighty uh, seventh percentile. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I like him. I think he's a good player. I like his size. I think he's a pretty good runner. I just have never seen him make it through a whole season without getting injured. And that's, you know, at least it's not like hamstring stuff. It's been weirder stuff. So that's the kind of guy that you bank on to maybe uh, rebound and and shake that kind of a reputation. So Trey Sermon would be a guy where, like, if he goes to Atlanta at the beginning of the third, I start looking at him a little harder in my drafts. I like that call. Um, I do. I'd like Trey Sermon. you know, he's six foot two fifteen, so he's got prototypical size there. Uh, you mentioned the speed and the agility, but he also had good explosion. Um, he had a 37 inch vert, 77th percentile, 87th percentile broad, too. So, you know, all around good athlete. Um, and he came on big at the end of the year there for Ohio State when they really needed him. So, you know, I think that and he put on some good, some solid tape at Oklahoma as well, you know, before his injuries. So he's definitely a guy that I would be interested in, in Atlanta more so than some of these other guys. Cause you're right. I'm not all that interested in guys outside of the top three. Um, maybe I, I like Michael Carter, um, but I don't think he's a lead back. And I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be all that interested in him in Atlanta. Uh, no. But, yeah. I wouldn't either. 
but we'll move off of the running back talk here, moving to some wide receivers. Um, and one of the big ones there, the Ravens have been trying to sign receivers all off season. I'm just, just going to cut you there. Any wide receiver <laughs> that goes there is dead to me. Next question. Like I, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I don't think Lamar is capable of supporting any sort of meaningful wide receiver for fantasy purposes. I don't. I kind of agree with you there on that front. Um, I'm not willing to definitively say that, but yeah, I, I I'm with you there. I think they, that they've given him almost every sort of wide receiver, you know, now granted they haven't given him like a stud, but at the same time, it's like, you know, chicken or egg. Like, are they not studs? Cause they're playing with him or are they just like not good in general? You know, they've given him the small speecher. They've given him Hollywood. They've given him, you know, he seems to like the tight end. So they tried to go a little bit bigger with like uh Boykin and some of these guys and doesn't really hit them either. You know, now granted, whatever you think about Boykin or, or Snead or any of these other guys that they've rotated through, but they've, they've at least hit him with a couple of different prototypes of guys. And he hasn't proven that he can do it with any single one of them. So it doesn't make me feel good to say like, well, he's kind of favored smaller guys. So if Rondell Moore, like, you know, Dwayne Eskridge or somebody goes there, you know, or if he really likes tall guys, maybe they'll take Jonathan Adams late, you know, like any of the, like it, it just would tank anybody's value that goes there. Yeah. I think that that's just a rough landing spot. It's just a rough offense overall for wide receivers. Cause they're very run heavy, but that also, um, Lamar Jackson really you're right he hasn't really shown the ability to sustain a wide receiver um, so we'll move into two teams that are definitely teams that we'll be a lot more interested in for wide receivers uh, the first one would be the Packers you know they kind of flirted with trading for Will Fuller uh, never happened they didn't even sign anybody in free agency so you know now they're rolling in there with Devontae Adams who you know all world you know he's their wide receiver one clear cut and a discussion there, but they don't really have anybody across from him. Um, Alan Lazard has looked okay at times. Uh, they have Devin Funches who opted out last year, but you know, I'm not really that interested in Devin Funches. Marquez Volta Scantling hasn't really been able to put anything together. Um, and everybody's been rumoring wide receiver, rumoring wide receivers to them all last year. And they're doing it again this year. Uh, I think they maybe take a wide receiver this year, actually, hopefully um, in the first, you know, we've seen some mocks there. Um, is there a wide receiver that you'd like to see going to Green Bay? No, because I think they need all the different <clears throat> spots outside of Devontae Adams. You know, I think they need they need every other position. It's not like, you know, oh, they need a field stretcher. They, you know, they need a little guy. They need a slot. They, I think they need kind of all those things. Um I do think this is the year, like, you know, th- th- I think they take a wide receiver in the first two days. I-, I really, really do. I just have no idea if they prefer, like, Elijah Moore or Terrace Marshall type of guy. You know, like, I could see them I could see them really taking any, pro- the, any, any uh, type of wide receiver there. Yeah, I mean, this was a spot that I'd heard um, rumors about Tutu Atwell going, but I think with him weighing in at 155, I think that would be kind of a shock for me. That poor little guy would get so cold in the winter up there with <laughs> no weight on him whatsoever. <laughs> little guy's got um, there shivering. Yeah, I, I would really like to see, you know, one of the Moors go here, Rondale or Elijah. I think this would be a good spot for them. I think they would complement um, Devontae Adams really well. So, you know, if they if one of those two guys goes there, uh, that's definitely going to intrigue me. And that's definitely going to make me look at potentially raising them. Um, I raise players in my rankings more on draft stock than landing spot, but I would be lying if I said landing spot didn't at least play somewhat of a role in it. Um, 
So I would like to see one of the Moors go there. Uh, but the uh, other spot that we have on the list here is the Kansas City Chiefs, who we've mentioned a couple times, you know, the, with the way the Super Bowl shook out, they need a wide receiver. Uh, they also lost Sammy Watkins. He officially signed with Baltimore. He was the one guy who was willing to sign with Baltimore. Um, so I think that the wide the Chiefs do need to take a wide receiver day one or day two this year. Um, is there anybody that, I mean, obviously whoever goes to the Chiefs, Gets, is going to get a stock up in most people's eyes, especially fantasy Twitter is going to go crazy for whoever the Chiefs take. Is there somebody that you think would benefit particularly well from playing across from Tyreek Hill? Because I think that Tyreek Hill and Kelsey are going to be the one and two in that offense next year. It's so hard to say because they use Tyreek in a lot of different ways, actually, you know, for his size and what his perceived skill set is. I think they use him pretty. Yeah, in a pretty wide variety of ways. And Kelsey obviously is going to be working in the middle of the field for the majority of the time. I think that's a good spot for Terrace Marshall, in yeah. my opinion. That's like a great spot for Terrace Marshall. Now, I mean, I'm the, the problem is I'm not sure I'd be willing to spend a first-round pick on Terrace Marshall. Maybe Kansas City trades back. Um, but at the same time, you know, they need an offensive lineman or two. You know, they need a couple other pieces. So I'm not exactly sure what they do because there is that real like I think that that like middle to late first, early second is going to be a gold mine for offensive linemen. We're going to look back in this draft in three or four years and be like, damn, look at all these linemen that came out of that 2021 draft between picks 18 and 40. Like I think that's going to be like that that's that range where just a ton of guys go and a lot of them end up being good. I'm not sure Kansas City wants to miss out on that. Uh, to grab a receiver when they, I mean, we, we, we said they need another guy. They really do, but they already have two very good pass catchers. You know, I'm not sure they can pass up on that. I think, I think you're right. I think they need to go offensive line there at the end of the first. Uh, so I think now you're looking at um, day two as a wide receiver spot. The guy that I would want to see go there is Seth Williams. And that's a very similar profile to Terrace Marshall. Um, but so, so I think we're kind of on the same page with what we think they would benefit from the most. Uh, I think if Seth Williams goes there, you're going to start to see Seth Williams buzz and he's going to start creeping his way up into the, into the top half of the second round in fantasy rookie drafts. Yeah, it would bump him a lot. Cause I think he's, his ADP seems like it's third round right now, which kind of seems ridiculous. But then I always go back and look at my rankings and I'm like, well, I can't bump, bump, bump above <laughs> any of these guys. So you know, I guess like early third sounds right. Um, he's got the tools. I just, I don't know. Yeah, but I think that would be a really good landing spot for him. Uh, maybe not necessarily for fantasy potential, because like you said, that you know Tyreek Hill is going to be the wide receiver one. Travis Kelsey is a de facto wide receiver one uh, playing tight end. So I think we know that those are the two guys that are, are going to be the most productive. And I think that anybody else is kind of going to be fighting for scraps. They may have like a big boom week where they put up you know 35 points like Sammy Watkins does at times but I think beyond that you're not really going to be that comfortable starting anybody else who goes there but yeah, I think they sure need it yeah. yeah it's not a consistent option it's just they need a guy to take yeah. some heat off yeah I, I yeah. agree with that I think they'll be a little more consistent than Sammy Watkins was um, yeah because that's the whole point of saying they need another guy <laughs> because Sammy Watkins is very good and now he's gone but yeah I do like I yeah I don't I don't necessarily want the guy that goes there any more than I would have prior to the selection, but yeah, I, they, they need it for that offense to function in a way that they, they want it to. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, 
And uh, we'll move into the last segment of the show here, and there'll be uh, some rookie profiles. Um, you know, we like to do freshman profiles. Um, you know, we've sprinkled in some rookie profiles here and there, but with the draft approaching, um, you know, figure we should go with some some more under the radar guys. So, you know, Austin, who's a guy that you're profiling here? Who's a guy that you're keeping an eye on in rookie drafts? I didn't realize we were going under. We were going low profile. I chose Travis Etienne. I you don't have to go low profile. You don't have to go low profile. I'm going low profile. Um, we haven't talked to Etienne on here, so no, we haven't actually. Yeah. Um, I you know a four star running back has always been high profile. Um, went to Clemson, and I think a lot of people like he, he was one of those. Um, you know where like non you know that when he first came into college was kind of the time where people that don't actually recruit and do recruiting service stuff for a living were starting to pay attention more to recruiting and said you know this is a kind of guy that i that that can do some things in college that may be underranked by the recruiting services this was really the first couple of years where that was starting to happen and i think those people kind of turned out to be correct um you know, uh, went to Clemson, took that job pretty quickly uh, relative to, again, what people thought he was going to do uh, when he arrived there on campus. Um, you know, freshman year had 107 carries, 13 touchdowns. Uh, you know, the second year he took over the starting job for good. 15 games, uh, 1,600 yards, 8.1 a touch, 24 touchdowns. And I think that really up until his senior year, and this is why I thought he should have come out last year, like he answered a question every year. Like after year one, it was like, well, is he big enough to handle the full load for a whole year? He became the bell cow guy there and took all those touches. And then people said, well, he really hasn't caught a lot of passes yet. And then he went into his junior year and he caught 37 passes, 432 yards, four touchdowns. And he averaged 7.8 yards to carry again. And I thought it was at that point where it's like, there is nothing else to prove. Get out while you still can. He did not do that. And I do think his stock has suffered just as a result that he did not improve in the same way. But I'm also not sure what else we necessarily wanted him to improve at. You know what I mean? He already showed us that he can handle the touches at his size and that he has the athletic ability to succeed in the NFL and that he can catch passes. I do think his pass catching ability is a little overstated, but he can, you know, he can, he can catch check downs and stuff. You don't, he's not a liability. So he, he should have come out last year, but he did not. And then this year when he only averaged 5.4 yards per carry with 14 touchdowns and only caught 50 passes, um, you know, somehow he's still disappointed. And so his, his stock is falling as a result. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. He did have, you know, he weighed in. Everyone questioned his weight. He went to his pro day, weighed in at 215, ran an official 441 or whatever, 443. I don't know which time ended up being the official one. So even if you add the 0.05, it's still sub 45 speed at 215 pounds um, for a guy that's basically proven it all. He's an ACC all-time leading rusher, you know, blah, 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 blah. I can I can go on with his with his accomplishments all day. I, I really do think we've just hit the point with him where it's prospect fatigue. Because I think he has good vision. It's not elite. It's not great. You know, he's not, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor, I thought was a, a really, really, really good, um, you know, vision and not just identifying lanes, but it's also just your natural feel of running, uh, running the ball. You know, you can, 
you can identify guys downfield, set up blockers, understand concepts with blocking, you know, all of these different things that kind of go into just uh, gaining extra yardage that you don't, that doesn't necessarily show up if you're just watching a football game for the pleasure of watching a football game. Uh, but if you go back and watch the tape and you're like, well, he created an extra yard here, an extra three yards here, an extra four yards here. I think he does that fairly well. I do think that he would he would be better a little bit as a zone guy in the NFL, but I, I don't think he's limited to that like some people want to say that he is. I don't think he has great play strength, but again, I think he has a knack of lowering his pad level to an acceptable point. I think he can bounce off defenders well. I think he keeps his legs churning well, so he's not a power back, but at the same time, I think with how what his size is, I think it is acceptable with what he can do there. I think we're all, we all know that he's just really, really fast. If you get him in the open field, there aren't a lot of guys that are going to catch him. And, you know, I'm not sure lateral agility wise. I didn't see if he even did anything at his pro day for it. I just saw the jumps and the, the long speed. The lateral stuff is a slight, slight concern. He is not amazing in that regard. But again, I don't think he's trash either i think there's there's a lot to work with there and his burst is so good that it eliminates the need for him to be perfect in that regard because once he puts a foot in the ground it can go if he gets a step or two on you you're just really not going to catch him um so i i wrote I, my my summary on him in my scouting report he's a slasher he's a type of running back who can be successful in the nfl in the correct system i think he can be a three down player uh, but I still like him. I like his profile. I think his floor is Tevin Coleman. And I think his ceiling in like that zone slashing one cut kind of way is almost like a smaller but more athletic Arian Foster with what I think he can do in the NFL. So that was kind of the range that I put him in, you know. And if I'm getting, you know, I, I see him going like 110, 111, 112, even dropping a little further than that. I think that's a steal if you really need a running back this year and you want to go get a guy. Yeah, no, I I thought that uh, Arian Foster light comp um, comp there. I think that's really interesting. I have that's not one that I've heard before. Um, I've used you know a souped up Tevin Coleman. Um, you know, I I think he's you know the uh, like I said souped up Tevin Coleman, like the upgrade over Tevin Coleman, which it's not a bad thing. You know, Tevin Coleman had some nice fantasy years there. And, you know, he's been, he's stuck around in the league. You know, he's, he has another start, uh, another crack at a starting job in, uh, with the jets now. So, you know, he's, he's fine, you know, but I, I don't necessarily, I don't think that ETN is a, is a can't miss prospect. He would have been my RB five last year. I would have had him ahead of CEH, uh, as a prospect, but, you know, I would have had him behind the other four. I don't. Um, I don't think there's a single can't miss running back in this class. You know, you're no. you're trying to tell me that um, uh, Najee Harris got a third round grade last year from the committee that he went back to college and that he didn't improve at all this year. Really, did he? He was doing a lot of the same things we saw him doing years one, two, and three on that team. You know, he's a good player, but to say that he went from around three guy to around one guy when, like, realistically, he didn't really improve that much on tape this year is. I, I don't get that narrative at all. Like if, if it's just the positional scarcity, running back's a position where you can plug anybody in. There there is no positional scarcity in reality. Yeah, no, I, I'm I completely agree with you there. I I don't think there's a can't miss running back in this pros in this class either. Um, you know, I, like I said, I 
I think that it was smart of ETN to wait another year to come out this year in a class that is less less stacked from a running back standpoint. Because like I said, those guys from last year and, and CEH was the you know the one that I had rated the lowest. He ends up going in the first round. Uh, but all those other guys went in the second. You know, I think that would have pushed ETN down into the third, where now I'll be shocked if ETN goes in the third. Uh, I think his range is, you know, early, mid-second. I think that's probably where you're looking at him going. Um, but my prospect here that I wanted to highlight um, is a guy who he performed way better at his pro day here than than I thought, which is what kind of made me go back and take another look at him. Um, and that's Elijah Mitchell uh, running back from um, UL, Louisiana Lafayette there. Um, not ULL, uh, uh, Felix will tell you. Um, it's UL. Uh, but their, their chaplain will tell you too, apparently. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, Elijah Mitchell, um, you know, he's a guy who was extremely productive. Uh, freshman year didn't really do a whole lot, but you know, you don't really always expect freshmen at G5 schools to, to do a ton. Uh, but sophomore year, 146 carries, 985 yards, uh, 6.7 yards per carry, you had 13 touchdowns. He also tacked on a nice 20 catches for 349 yards, uh, which is 17.5 yards per catch. Um, and then he had three TDs. But he was also doing that as basically the second running back in that offense. As Trey Raggis had... Uh, 200 carries that year. Uh, then you move into his junior year. He had 198 carries for 1147 yards, uh, 5.8 yards per carry. He had 16 touchdowns. Then he also had 10 catches for 70 yards and a touchdown there. And that year he was one of 300 carry uh, rushers for um, for uh, Louisiana Lafayette. That uh, was him, Trey Ragus, and Raymond Calais. Um, and then this past year, senior year, uh, 141 carries, 878 yards for 6.2 yards per carry, eight touchdowns, uh, and then 16 catches for 153 yards for a 9.6 yards per catch. Um, and this year also split time with Trey Ragus, who had 131 carries. So throughout his whole career there, he was splitting carries with guys, but he was still being very productive. Um, you know, he narrowly missed... Uh, a thousand yards as a sophomore, a thousand yards rushing as a sophomore. Uh, but it, you know, his sophomore, junior, senior year, he had over a, a thousand um, all-purpose yards all three years. So, and you know, his player metrics there, his adjusted yards per team play, which is one of uh, a Jarek back is special. Um, it's one of his favorite uh, metrics there you know he he had a really good year his sophomore year from an adjusted yards per team play um and then you know his other two years he did dip a little bit below the trend line but you know it was still pretty close there that you feel good about him you know as as far as being a potential sleeper you know the trend the regression line shows the average for top 12 fantasy seasons and he was just underneath that i think i'd be surprised if he was ever a top 12 fantasy back but I think he could be an RB two, you know, in the right landing spot, um, because you know the thing that stands out when you watch him is his contact balance is incredible. He has very good power, always keeps his legs moving, finishes off runs, bounces off guys left and right. He's not easy to bring down, which is impressive for a guy who weigh only weighed in at two hundred and one pounds at his pro day. Um, 
you know, he has my, my tape notes said he decent speed, but definitely not a burner. Won't break too many long runs. And then he goes out and runs a four, three, eight forty, which is 96th percentile. Um, so, you know, that, like I said, that was the one that kind of made me go back and rewatch. And I still don't really see that speed. Um, you know, there are definitely times where he breaks off some, some nice runs and just checking that box as a four, three, eight forty, I think is going to impress a lot of teams in the NFL. So I think his dra- that that's going to help his draft capital a little bit. Um, but you know, he's still more of a quicker than fast guy. Um, and I, I love his footwork. He, he's got a little bit of shiftiness to his game. Uh, but he is better with like quick cuts, like in the hole behind the line of scrimmage, you know, as he's like waiting for the hole to open up, you know, he'll do, he'll shuffle to the right, you know, and then cut back to the left. And then as the hole opens up and then take off there at that point. Um, so like I said, I really like his footwork there, but definitely more quicker than fast from f- as far as game speed goes. But like I mentioned, I love his patience. You know, he always waits for the hole to open up there and he has good vision. He does always seem to find the right hole. Um, and he had a nice senior bowl week as well. Um, Tony Pauline, uh, from pro football, uh, what is it? Pro football network. I think it is, um, you know, recap the week there. And he said that, you know, the question with him was, is he anything other than a powerful ball carrier? And he felt that Mitchell answered those questions, um, displaying, you know, quickness, footwork, you know, ability to sift through traffic. And he also caught the ball well all week, which is definitely really nice. Uh, he does have a 20 catch season on the books. Um, and he had 16 last year in a, in, in a little bit of a shortened season. So he probably would have hit 20 catches last year as well, which is kind of the threshold that you're looking for as far as pass catching goes for running backs. Um, so he adds that element to his game as well. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who is the pass catching option, but I don't think he's a guy that you need to take off the field for third downs. So, you know, all that being said, I think he's a guy who's going to start to climb up some rankings here a little bit. And if he gets day two draft capital, I'll be a little bit surprised, but I think that that would be huge for his stock. I think you're probably looking at him going on day three. And but he's still a guy that I'm going to be very interested in in the back half of rookie drafts, late round three, early round four, uh, depending on need a running back. And we, we talked about how weak this running back class is. He's a guy that I think is going to be moving up in my rankings. I mean, after like RB eight, it wouldn't shock me if any of those guys just go undrafted. Like one random guy just falls the whole way out. So I don't, I don't really know where to project him. I, you said if he gets day two, day two draft capital, like I'm not going <laughs> to lie, I think there's, for, there's I like think almost. Sh- zero percent chance of that ever happening to be completely honest almost as much of a chance of as lamar jackson producing a fantasy relevant wide receiver as <laughs> not a very good chance not a very good chance yeah i, I agree with you i don't think he's gonna go day two um like i said you know it's it's hard to, to know how these nfl teams are going to value those times but i would say if you know in the past if he had run a four three eight at the combine you know, I could have seen him sneaking into the the back half of the third round there, like towards the end of the third round, if you know he has that college production. You know, he has the explo- the uh, explosiveness as well. Thirty eight inch vert, eighty first percentile, ninety third percentile broad jump, which I don't think are necessarily traits that are necessarily um, measurements that NFL teams look at all that much. But like I said, it me- does measure explosion, um, which is something that you want to see in a running back. So, 
you know, I, but I don't know how they're going to value that for three eight forty, and I don't even know if it's necessarily a real time. It's probably more like a four four three, like when you add the point oh five seconds, like player profile typically does. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think day three is where you're going to start to see him go. Um, you know, maybe maybe late fourth, early fifth round, um, in a, in a weaker running back class. And, you know, it depends on where he goes and the opportunity there. But like I said, he's definitely a guy that's going to move up my ranks. But I think that's going to do it for us here tonight. Uh, you know, we are, I have gotten a couple of submissions here for rates and reviews for this Travis ETN jersey that we're going to give away. Um, probably going to do that um, probably what, maybe two weeks. Maybe yeah, that sounds there. about right. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll probably do that. We'll probably give that away in about two weeks, but I've only gotten two submissions. Um, you know, how many have you gotten? One, I believe. One. Yeah. So I think we're still look we're still definitely under 30 uh reviews. So, you know, definitely get those rates and reviews in. You know, it's a great chance to get a Travis ETN jersey autographed from Clemson. It's a real nice orange, if that's your color. But you know, get those rates and reviews in, send them to us. You can send them to me at C2C Decker on Twitter. My DMs are always open. Uh, you can send them to Austin. Uh, he's at Debbie Dietz. You can send them to the at Campus to Canton handle on Twitter. You can also send them to Campus to Canton at gmail.com if you prefer to email things. Uh, but I think that's going to do it here for us tonight. Uh, we do have some some projects coming out here soon. Uh, we do have a couple of announcements that we'll be making later on in the week, so keep an eye out for those. Uh, also keep an eye out for the early week show, The Campus Life. Um, but I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, I'm Colin. I'm Austin. And have a good one. <laughs>